0: Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels. Across the table here at Podcast Headquarters in Champaign Our, How do I want to describe you, Scott? Our jack-of-all-trades. scares me a little bit. Very enthusiastic. Scott Ritchie.
1: I mean, enthusiastic about some things. (laughs) Maybe not everything.
0: Maybe not the, you
1: know the way the Illinois football season's going.
0: Yeah, about that. It's uh <laughs> it's been an interesting uh interesting ride so far, uh in the Brett Bielema tenure as we sit here on a lovely Wednesday afternoon, September fifteenth. Uh we're recording this two days before Illinois hosts Maryland. Eight oh five PM kickoff on Friday night at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Maryland's first Big Ten game this season. Illinois is Second, they're still tied for first in the Big Ten West. Scott,
1: well, I mean, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and they did you know get that week zero win mm-hmm. against Nebraska, and all was well in Champaign and at Memorial Stadium and in the Smith Center. And then the next two weeks happened, and I don't think you can say that anymore. Um, particularly just the way not that they lost. To UTSA and Virginia, but just like the way it happened, mm-hmm. um, particularly the Virginia game, because I think the idea, you know, of you know, coaching change, even if there were some rough spots, because I think you should have expected some, because that always happens when a coaching coaching change happens. But even with those rough spots, games like Saturday's loss at Virginia, like you expected the the not the non-competitive games to maybe go away and can't say that Illinois was super competitive uh, against the Cavaliers, you know, fell behind by two touchdowns, like almost immediately, like so quick. It was uh, was sort of wild. I mean, within five minutes and like the game in essence was over.
0: Yeah. By the time I uh, handed this, podcast off to you, Brandon Armstrong just threw for three more touchdowns for Virginia. Uh, The Illinois defense was picked apart by the Southpaw, uh, the Virginia quarterback, one of many quarterbacks that Bronco Mendenhall uh, uses, but he was the one throwing the ball all over the field and doing so at a high success rate against the Illinois defense that uh, just looked completely overmatched uh, against the Cavaliers, and, and that's alarming too considering Texas San Antonio basically did whatever they wanted to do on on offense and Nebraska again Illinois beat Nebraska that doesn't still I mean Illinois gave up almost 400 yards of offense to to Adrian Martinez and and the Cornuskers when they when they visited and I know Nebraska made a lot of mistakes on their own that contributed to that but like I wrote in the paper 3 weeks ago month ago whenever we kind of made our season predictions for Illinois football to me the the whole key for this season for Illinois, despite Brett Bielema's past success with run oriented teams and the way he's been able to tap back into in-state recruiting, uh, those are all well and fine. But to me, the whole key for this Illinois season was to see if the defense was going to improve because last year, and again, I, I understand that last year was a caveat. Let's hope we never have to go through a college football season, let alone a year like 2020 uh, presented to us. But they were the worst defense in the Big Ten last season. They had almost the entire starting defense back uh, from from last season. Add in a new scheme with coordinator Ryan Walters, who was at Missouri, uh, was there under Barry Odom, also Gary Pinkle, and then uh, last year under Eli Drinkwitz. And then after one season under Drinkwitz, they kind of parted ways, and that's how Walters ended up at at Illinois, that to me is the biggest question mark concerning the Illini is just how their defense was going to respond this season. And so far, one-fourth of the way through the season, they they really haven't. So, again, Maryland's coming into town Friday night. The Terrapins have not been shy about putting up some big numbers uh, under Mike Locksley this season. So, again, this is another kind of proving ground for Illinois is to – it's time to start start producing, uh, especially defensively. Uh, and Friday night's the, the next chance for that.
1: Friday night's also a concern, in my opinion, because if you look at what Maryland has done offensively, you know, they haven't really run the ball, um, I don't know, not much at all. Mm-hmm. They're just relying on Talia Tagovailoa to throw, and Ooh. he's doing it very well. And I think the most concerning part, and this is sort of just maybe a carryover from the Virginia game, is that Maryland's top two receivers, um, Dante Demas, Rakeem Jarrett, mm-hmm. like, Demas is averaging almost 22 yards per reception. Jarrett is averaging almost 16 yards per reception. And the Illinois defense has been rather prone to giving up big plays like that. Um, 16 of them between passes or completions of fifteen plus yards and rushes of ten plus yards against Virginia and most of them were through the air. And you know, Illinois secondary got beat over the top against Virginia and then got beat underneath against UTSA. Um, so when both things are going wrong when like tackling was an issue against Virginia, even from some of your most veteran players. It's a steep steep hill to climb to get back to being com- maybe remotely competitive on that side of the ball. And the margin of error for the Illinois defense the Levy Smith era was thin, razor thin, but they managed occasionally because they forced so many turnovers.
0: Yeah. And that's what it kind of looks like right now with this Illinois defense is if you're looking for <clears throat> something to provide a spark, it's I guess going back on the takeaway train and, and, Casting your lot on that, and and as like you mentioned, Scott, as we saw in the Levy Smith era, it was kind of make or break. I mean, if if Illinois was able to take the ball away, they played well in defense. If they weren't, then they got picked apart, and and that's kind of been the the calling card through the first three weeks of three games of of the season at all. And um, yeah, I mean Maryland, I think everyone kind of expecting them to to beat Howard. Uh, last Saturday night like they did. Should have. They should have. But there have been some upsets from SCI, FCS teams, but Maryland didn't just beat them. They, they blew them out of the water they went 62 nothing. But for me, the game that really kind of perked my attention and thought, okay, maybe this Maryland game might not be. Because I think before the season started, I think that was one that uh, I think you and I could agree on that, bef- again, before the season started, that maybe that's one Illinois could steal. It's a home game. It's a Friday night. I think a lot of us were maybe thinking, okay, they're going to be, 2-1 and at worst going into the Maryland game. Didn't think Maryland was going to beat West Virginia in the season opener like they did. And instead they won 30-24, to so now they're sitting at 2-0. and And if you're Mike Loxley, the former Illinois offensive coordinator, is now Maryland's coach, uh, who also has former Illinois coach Ron Zook on his staff, you're looking at this game as a, a huge one for the Terrapins because they play in the Big Ten East, and they still got to go up against... Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State. Uh, so any chance to, to get a Big Ten win, especially in their opener, is one that I'm sure they're going to really be emphasizing to the, their players and uh, everyone else leading up to, to Friday night.
1: Well, then, the game is equally as important for Illinois because you know, after two disappointing losses in a row – um they need to recapture something, you know, from that, that opener against Nebraska. And I'll be curious to see Friday night what the turnout is at Memorial Stadium. One, being a Friday night game, and mm-hmm. you just never know. I mean, there's, you know, it's always like, well, why would you want to go up against high school football? But, I mean, does that make a huge difference? I'm not sure.
0: No, and no, I've kind of wa- waffled on this in the past because um – you know, Illinois. this is the third Friday night home game in the last five seasons. And they played last year on a Friday night at Wisconsin as well. Again, there was nothing going on at that time when they played uh, on October 20th up in, up in Madison at Wisconsin. But, you know, once November hits with high school football, all their playoff games, or the majority of the high school football playoff games are on Saturdays when college football is going around. So I Kind of have cooled my tone a bit on Friday nights for high school football. I still think it's a huge night for high school football, obviously. But and we had Josh Whitman on Monday night at, at the Esquire, and the Illinois athletic director for made a logical reason. I mean, he basically admits, you know, Illinois is not at that point football wise with their reputation, where if they have if they have a chance to break out and, and play a Friday night game. Um, I think there's only one other Friday night game this week. Uh, besides Illinois-Maryland, to have some people pay attention to what Illinois is doing. I think that's an opportunity they, they can't pass up and instead of being buried on Saturday where there's you know dozens and dozens of games. And as we saw last week, the Illinois-Virginia game was relegated to the ACC network, which not a lot of folks in this area uh, got on their TVs at all. Maybe that was for the best, I guess, looking in, in hindsight.
1: I would have saved some... Burn, on a on a
0: more positive note Scott how was your trip to Charlottesville I know you weren't there very long probably the length of this podcast is what it felt like
1: I mean less than 24 hours uh, it was fine I got there and I got home <laughs> that was really you know the two things that are important to me um, but it's a, it's a nice campus mm-hmm. I didn't really get to see I saw I saw the airport I saw my hotel how was the airport I saw the stadium uh, small
0: so like Willard here
1: yeah essentially. i mean,
0: Okay. Nice. Charlottesville, is it bigger or smaller than Champaign?
1: Uh, I, th- I think if you can like Champaign-Urbana, uh-huh. it, th- the total is bigger than Charlottesville. Okay. Not as big as I thought. Also, like one Uber driver, I think, in an, a college town. <laughs> uh, so transportation was a little tricky.
0: But um, Was it weird getting up so early for a football game? I know it kicked off 11 a.m. local time out there, but yeah, 10 I a.m. Mean, central time here.
1: It f- I mean, Illinois played so many 11 Mm -hmm. a.m. games in Champaign that I didn't really make much difference to me. Maybe the Virginia fans were like, why are we playing football so early?
0: Had a big flag uh, on the field before the game. Flyover, Flyover, which was really cool. 20th Um, anniversary of the 9-11 attacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy flyover. How
0: was Scott Stadium? Did it live up to your expectation considering it's your – it's named, named, it's named after you? It is named after me. Okay. So,
1: I mean, jump to the top of my list of okay. favorite uh, college football venues. Uh, interesting, it was an open-air
0: press box. I like open-air press boxes.
1: So, which, like, this year made a difference because mm-hmm. uh didn't have to wear, you know, the mask the, l- okay. the whole time. There you go. Um, which is which is nice. But also, you know, get your vaccinated, everyone. There's yes. your PSA for the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... Uh, it's sort of a three quarter bowl because the the north, not the north, I'm bad at directions. Me too. Maybe the west side, <laughs> northwest. It's, it's sort of sat <laughs> at an angle. Um, it was just a hill, which was where the student, like the Virginia students, mm-hmm. like sat. And I'm like, I'm not sure, like that'd be my cup of tea. Kay. To sit on a hill for a whole game or stand on a hill. Um,
0: They're probably a little inebriated, so they'll um, even at. Eleven A. M. What was the tailgating scene like there? Or did you get there too early?
1: I think I was there too early. Okay. There were some people set up. I don't think it was a great tailgating. I okay. I mean I was more curious so like as I rode into the, the stadium from my hotel, uh, drove past well rode past I wasn't driving. Uh John Paul Jones Arena, which okay. is where Virginia yep. basketball plays and mm-hmm. like it was sort of hidden in the trees and I was like I mean maybe someday I'll cover an Illinois-Virginia basketball game
0: Seems like a perfect Big Ten ACC Challenge game In late November, early December So uh, you've been to Charlottesville now So you know how to get back there
1: Yeah um, We'll shoot for the direct flight (laughs) Next time (laughs) Uh, But it it was uh, How
0: many cities did you fly into On your trip there and back
1: Uh, Four, I guess Okay Indy to Philadelphia to Charlottesville and then back through uh, Washington, D.C. at Dulles, which is a maze. Um, I'm glad I had a little time. Because the the gate I landed at was not anywhere close to the gate where my next flight was taking off which is my usual lot in life.
0: Was a little eerie flying on September 11th, 20 years after the terrorist attack what well, did, did you sense any difference in there i mean those was your first time flying too and almost two years yeah.
1: uh no just okay. i think everyone just normal like airfare is like mm-hmm. air f- transportation is like can we just get this over with <laughs> <laughs> but um
0: I like, so how we've, I like how i like how we've delved into a travel log now on the podcast well i mean
1: the game wasn't yeah. good like i mean just illinois did not play well and there's really no way to sugarcoat that. I mean, defensively, they gave up a ton of huge plays. Offensively, they couldn't really get going. I mean, the second half, that first drive, you know, attacking the the perimeter of the Virginia defense, Chase Brown had the big touchdown run, but that was it.
0: Like, did you sense at the time, though? I mean, it was 21-14, right, after Chase Brown's touchdown run. Did you get the vibe that, okay, Illinois is going to – make a game of this or was it just kind of inevitable that Virginia was just going to continue to do what they did against Illinois defense?
1: Yeah, that Chase Brown touchdown didn't change anything really in in my estimation and proved to be correct because Virginia scored on the next drive. Um, It's just Illinois defense just could not stop them and I mean that's been a bit of a theme not exactly the theme you're you're looking for. Um so there, I mean there's a lot to correct heading into Friday night's game against Maryland. I mean we'll see if it happens. I don't this is not a great matchup for them with you know after two quarterbacks kind of had their way with the Illinois defense, you know, in the passing game that you know Telia Tagabato is poised to do the same. But I mean offensively, like maybe Brandon Peters
0: you just segue you stole my next segue Scott I mean maybe
1: he's the spark they need I I just I don't know what Brandon Peters in this offense is he had 13 snaps against Nebraska and the 13th was when he got driven to the ground on his left shoulder and Mm -hmm. was out for the rest of that game and then the the next two Um, we'll see if it makes a difference I mean Illinois did not put Art Sikowski in a good position in the last two games by falling behind early Mm -hmm. when he's throwing 45 times a game, essentially. I'm not sure that's, like, the game plan. I'm not sure that's the identity Illinois wants on offense. In fact, I mean, I I know (laughs) it's not. Um, So it, it could just be a matter of, you know, the defense getting off the field without allowing a touchdown. The offense... Staying on the field a little bit longer. I mean, yeah,
0: so. I thought it was interesting. I think you wrote this in your notes in, in Sunday's uh, News Gazette, but the fact that Mike Epstein did not play at Virginia, he didn't travel right either. Did no. Not, did <laughs> not make the trip to Charlottesville. Uh, going into this Friday night, Mike Epstein is still the leading rusher for Illinois, and he's also the only Illinois running back who has more than 100 rushing yards this season through three games. He's at I think, 107. Um, so there's still trying to find that featured back. And like you said, too, the falling behind like they have against Texas-San Antonio and Virginia has led to the offense becoming more pass-oriented. And um, Brandon Peters maybe gives them a better option than Art Sikowski in that department, although you'd like to see Peters improve his accuracy like we've seen the first two seasons and also just stay on the field, too, and, and stay healthy. I don't know if Brandon Peters is the difference maker Friday night. I'm sure he's eager uh, for this opportunity to go out there and prove himself, especially because he hasn't really played much uh, this season at all. But, again, the the key on offense, though, I think, for Illinois is to have a more balanced approach uh, offensively for Tony Peterson's scheme and for the offensive line to really kind of play better. Uh, Is that – too harsh I mean they just they haven't they, I know they've got all these guys that have all these starts and Doug Kramer and Viderian Lowe and Alex Palczewski and it looks like Julian Pearl is gonna likely start on, on Friday night against Maryland but they just haven't done much on the offensive line and and I think that's kind of a key reason too why the the run game hasn't really gotten going so far
1: yeah and there I mean there's been a little shuffling on the line I mean they rotated through you know like th- Three guards for two spots in the first couple of games, settled I think into a a five against Virginia. Then Doug Kramer goes out, so that that changes. But he's probably I mean been their best offensive lineman. But like they're just getting very little push at the point of attack, mm-hmm. and it's so I guess the, you know, the expectation was all of these guys that have been here for five years or. Doug Case six years. I mean, that 23, 24-year-old offensive lineman would have an advantage just because they've played so much and know what college football is about. But it, it has not played out that way, and I think that's impacted the run game. And then not having Chase Brown for more than five carries in the first two games mm-hmm. it didn't help. Um, but –
0: the side, on, the, on the bright side, because on the bright side, I feel we're we're going down that slippery slope that Illinois football kind of <laughs> tends to go down for and has for the better part of, of a decade, three decades, uh, a, a while. Um, Isaiah Williams, I checked checked this morning. He's he's leading the Big Ten in reception. Scott, he's got nineteen. He's also played one more game than most Big Ten receivers. Yeah. So And he's more of a possession receiver at this point, not really stretching the field, but still. Not bad for a guy that five months ago was a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Illinois' top two receivers were both
1: quarterbacks and, like, Deuce was a quarterback about a month ago. Do you
0: think if Deuce gets on the field Friday night against Maryland, they're going to triple cover him, triple team him? I
1: mean, I'd consider at least putting one guy
0: on him okay. because... All he does is catch touchdown passes. Yeah, and he has
1: three catches... Two of them for touchdowns, and the third it was, was an almost like touchdown. six inches from being yeah. a touchdown. Um, now, Virginia did figure out that you know, maybe they should cover him, but he still made the play over the you know, down the seam in the middle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great that Isaiah Williams and DuSpan have become these offensive weapons. Um, concerning that both of them were quarterbacks really not all that long ago. Like, literally, I mean, DeSpan was still a quarterback when. Training camp was happening. Um, I think it just speaks to the unsettled nature of that position group for Illinois. And the fact, I mean, they, they remade it uh, in the last nine months and you know, a ton of new faces. It just, someone else has to like emerge as a, a target there. Um, both Brian Hightower and Jafar Armstrong got like. A couple snaps each against Virginia they, and they had been out the first two games we'll see if they can be a difference maker I mean I think Hightower gives Illinois a bigger target mm-hmm. um, maybe in the vertical passing game maybe a vertical passing game that returns with Brandon Peters because you know Sikowski, I think outside of the passes he's thrown to do span wasn't stretching the field mm-hmm. in, in the passing game Um and Jafar Armstrong, I'm mean, like he played at Notre Dame. I mean, like you don't wind up at Notre Dame on accident. You know, was you know bounced back and forth between running back and receiver. So I think he's got some versatility. We'll see what what happens there. But like these transfers that Illinois added in the off season from these major programs haven't made a huge impact. I mean, the, the only one that did was mm-hmm. C.J. Hart, yep. and then he suffered season ending injury uh in the first game. Um but, you know Armstrong barely played. Eddie Smith came over from from Alabama, plays a position of need in the secondary, and like he just hasn't found his way onto the field. Uh so I mean that's sort of the, the nature of the transfer portal. Like you don't know what you're gonna get. It's like these guys have maybe a pedigree and come from good programs but like they're leaving for a reason Um, most of the time it's because they weren't playing as much as they wanted that happened for a reason Mm -hmm. I'm sure Um, it's just all of these good things about Illinois football heading into the season after week one or week zero excuse me uh, they're kind of gone
0: you know what's not gone is Scott's perfect prediction record. Illinois football may be 1-2, and two, but our beat writer three 3-0 on his picks this season, and I'm fired up about that. I mean, he, I like being right. You almost got the Nebraska score spot on. You had 28-20 Illinois. Then UTSA, you got close. You had, what, 35-24? Yeah. being 37-30. Last week, not as so close. Well, I you didn't still expect
1: Virginia to win by four touchdowns. That yeah, you you still had Virginia what
0: thirty eight twenty four, I believe. Yeah, I mean, as you dive into, I had been be
1: covering the ten and a half points spread. As
0: you uh, hit the rewind button on the projector, watching the film of Maryland this week, Scott, what's your what's your score for Friday night? I
1: mean, yeah, that's a.
0: And what's your prediction too? Because I need to go buy some lottery tickets after this as well.
1: <laughs> uh You know, just always, there's always a risk. But, you know, Maryland is a seven and a half point favorite on the road. And, yeah, I think they're going to cover that. I mean, if I had to pick a score, because you're making me, so I do. Well,
0: you're going to have to write in Friday's paper, so you might as well get started on it. Yeah,
1: but, you know, I like to brainstorm. A little
0: bit. Okay. Workshops, some ideas. Yeah, for like a few minutes. Let's let's be honest. Let's cut all this. Every sports writer in America spends like a couple minutes at most when they make game picks.
1: Okay, that's probably fair.
0: Okay. Um, I already made mine. It's going to be in tomorrow's paper. I got Maryland forty-five
1: twenty-four. All right. Well, based off of last week, I'm going to go with a thirty-eight. 21 maryland win okay so i certainly covering the seven and a half points
0: uh i know brett Beal and his staff and every college football coach in america only takes it one game at a time sports writers take it 12 games at a time looking ahead at the rest of the illinois schedule scott to to wrap this podcast up uh, i need you to predict their record now the rest of the way uh, they're they're one and two so just gut reaction so you already got them losing to Maryland, so 1-3. September 25th at Purdue, a Purdue team that's 2-0, and going to Notre Dame this weekend. Drew Brees is going to be on the call for that for NBC. Oh, I thought you said Drew Brees was going to be playing quarterback. No, Jack Plummer's <laughs> looking like Drew Brees, though, for Purdue. Um, uh, that's my upset special in the Big Ten football page coming Thursday in the News Gazette.
1: I don't mind that because Notre Dame is like how can we make this as nail-biting as possible (laughs) and then win, but, you know, maybe they don't.
0: All right, so Illinois-Purdue, September 25th. 230 kick we learned this week.
1: Yeah, that's not great. Um, (laughs)
0: 230 kick in the vein of a sports writer, 11 a.m. is the best because you just get up, get after it, plenty of time to get reaction, craft your story. 8.05 p.m. is worst. no time at all. 230 is fine, you get to do that, but it just kind of ruins your whole day. Yeah, you're Best it. best, best opportunity, though, but again, fans that listen to this don't care that sports writers are complaining about sports. That's like the most probably annoying thing for them to hear. Eh, um, I mean. But 2.30 kick is ideal tailgating time. I suppose it is. All right, but anyway, back to. I don't think they win at Purdue. All right, so one and four. Okay. October 2nd, Charlotte, undefeated Charlotte, 2-0, beat, beat, beat Duke. Duke Charlotte. Um, beat Gardner-Webb. Yeah. Should have yes
1: won that one, but yeah, Will Healy. Will Healy has a a good team
0: coming to coming to Champagne October second. I'm going to give Illinois that win. Okay, two and four. So you're saying there's a chance it's going to be
1: closer than I think Illinois fans want it to All be. right,
0: so two and four, and then homecoming, feeling good coming off the win against the 49ers. Not Jimmy Garoppolo's 49ers, like you said, Charlotte, Wisconsin, Brett Belamis. Coaching against his old school. Sure, he'll
1: love all the questions about Wisconsin. Yeah,
0: he'll probably he, just preempt even, them.
1: doesn't even say Wisconsin.
0: Oh, does he do the school up north thing? He doesn't say up north, but just
1: okay. the, when he talks about, you know, when he coached there, was, when he when I coached at that other
0: school. Oh, okay. Well, that other school's coming here October 9th, wanting to exact some revenge on the last time they came to Champaign. Yeah,
1: and, like, they're, I mean, I don't think it's a great Wisconsin team, Mm-mm. but – They'll win
0: they okay campaign. so two and five is what you're telling me two and six after they lose at Penn State okay wow you already got ahead of me there even after the off week October 23rd you go to Penn State uh, even after the off week October 30th Rutgers comes to town for their annual game against Illinois <laughs> you just can't get
1: <laughs> Rutgers off the schedule
0: the Art Sikowski Bowl uh,
1: I mean Rutgers is better than they have been.
0: Really bad offense
1: so far. Yeah. And, like, I feel like, I don't know, Syracuse is maybe even
0: worse. True. But Sorry, Dino Babers.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give Illinois the win against Ooh, Rutgers.
0: So, three and six. So, you have left open the window of light in November for Illinois to just pull off a massive win streak and sneak into the quick lane bowl. Man.
1: <laughs> I gotta start picking against them. <laughs> I don't wanna go to Detroit <laughs> in December.
0: Well, you'll be busy covering Illinois basketball by that point. Yeah. Um unfortunately, like October sixth at Minnesota. They hit a pretty rough stretch here. Yeah. Minnesota almost lost to Miami Ohio. As, as as our producer Ed Bond said Mall of America, Scott. I've been. Three days before Brad Underwood's team tips off its season against Jackson State.
1: Yeah. Um I realize Mo Ibrahim's out for the year from Minnesota. But uh, seemed to have a pretty good replacement.
0: Trace on Potts.
1: He was pretty. He was, I mean, he was the reason. I think they uh-huh. wound up beating Miami, Ohio. Uh, You're yeah, going to lose that Minnesota. Okay,
0: so three and seven. So okay. And then off week, chance to recharge. Sure, catch a couple basketball games at State Farm Center.
1: Exactly, and then but then you have to go to Iowa.
0: Okay. and uh, play Iowa. That's, that's not good. And like, so
1: Iowa is a top five team right now.
0: Three and eight three and eight okay then end the season two days after Thanksgiving here in Champaign against Northwestern
1: now this isn't Pat Fitzgerald's best Northwestern team at least right now Mm -hmm. the unfortunate thing is like um, he owns Illinois yeah he does three and nine
0: okay Brad Underwood speaks at the quarterback club luncheon tomorrow Scott we have a story Friday's like say, paper, Big Ten b Basketball Days, October 7th and 8th.
1: We're going to end on a, a positive note and let everyone listening know that basketball season starts in one month and
0: eight days. Okay. All right. Well, you can read all about Illinois football and basketball in the pages of the News Gazette. Listen to them on the various podcasts we have here. And this uh, now wraps up episode 34 of Inside the Line Football. We'll be back next week for more. Thanks, guys.